Hi, I'm Scott Miller. I'd like to welcome you to episode two of Talking Tech. On Talking Tech, I interview people in the field of technology and discuss what inspired our guests to enter the field of technology, what has kept them in it, and what they are looking forward to in the future. Talking Tech wouldn't be possible without companies like Freedom Tech. Freedom Tech is a managed service provider located in Johnson, Rhode Island. To find out more about the company and what they offer, visit www.ftssupport.com. Our guest on today's episode is Tracy Aceto. Thank you for being on the show, Tracy. Thank you for having me. Could you tell us a little about yourself and Fresenius Medical Care? Sure. Um, I've worked in the healthcare IT space for about 20 years. I started as a trainer at a very small EMR company. I was employee number three, and we grew um, significantly to 12 employees over the course of two years. Um, and then I moved to larger vendors, and then I've had I've been blessed to be able to work on both the vendor and the client side. So I've worked in a number of different kinds of healthcare organizations. Currently, I'm at Presenius Medical Care, which uh, provides dialysis services to very chronically ill patients. Um, and I'm a consulting data analyst on the data governance team. So essentially, my role now is to work with the organization to develop standards for documenting and managing all the data that this global company um, gathers and uses and providing formats and software tools and methodologies on standardizing these things so that the data can then be consumed by downstream processes and downstream teams. And how does Fresenia stand out from similar companies that do the same? So my experience with Fresenius is that it's, it's innovative. It's a very large organization, but it's open to new ideas and new concepts um, and new methodologies. So this team is what I would consider almost a startup team within a very large organization. And um, our senior VP was the one who identified the need and was very frustrated by the lack of standardization in the data that we were collecting. And so she actually was the one who said, hey, we need this thing and I need these people to do this thing. I really need someone to fund this. And she evangelized and was able to, to start this group. Not a lot of organizations would do that. They wouldn't necessarily recognize the need. They wouldn't necessarily fund it. And they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't be on board with such a, it's, it's a very good idea. So, how did you get started in technology as a whole? I have a very untraditional path. <laughs> um, I was an American studies major and um, I started out in music and sort of fell into American studies, loved it. In my brain, I was going to go on to law school. Life happened. Um, I found myself married, and then I found myself divorced and without the, the funding to send myself to law school. So I had a number of positions at an ad, as an admin assistant, traveling very long distances for very little money, and I answered an ad that was very close to my home within walking distance for an admin assistant, and during the course of the interview, the CEO, who is Jim Messier, who's fabulous, said to me, um, how do you feel about international travel? And I said, love it. Of course, I've never been anywhere, but I was like, that sounds fabulous. I love it. Um, he said, I think you'd make an excellent trainer. And I had never even considered that as an option. And I said, absolutely, that's the job for me. When I started, um, I didn't realize that the company was um, in its infancy. 
So I had to not only develop the coursework, but I also had to develop the UI, <laughs> which was something I had never even been exposed to. So I found myself on the phone a lot with developers in Germany learning how to do VB Basic, uh, VB Scripting. Um, not anything that I had ever considered, not anything that I even thought myself capable of doing, and yet there I was learning it over the phone and configuring a UI. Um, loved it. Absolutely fell in love with it. And then from there, I moved into product management, then project management on both the, the vendor and the client side. And I have had the opportunity to work with some really extremely intelligent, innovative people who have taught me a lot. And I just have, have grown in this, this field and um, hope to continue in it for a very long time. That's fantastic. So what's kept you in the field? The, um, I have to learn. My, my driver for just about everything I do, my passion is to learn. Um, so that, that's, what, that's what's done it for me. IT is constantly evolving. IT is constantly growing. IT is constantly reacting, but also planning. And this fits very well with my personal need for growth. There's always an opportunity to learn something new. There's always an opportunity to learn from brilliant people. And there's always an opportunity to grow. And so for me, that is what kept, has kept me in this space and sort of fed my intellectual curiosity. What advice would you offer someone just starting out in the industry or even just interested in looking at the industry, industry as a whole? I would say just be open. Be open to it. There's constantly new ways and new things and just be open to learning about them. Um, don't pigeonhole yourself. If you want to be an expert in some field, for me, my expertise was always in EMR. Um, but you know, I had that expertise, but I was also open to all of the things that relate to it, the security, the infrastructure, the processes, just be open to learning all of that. And um, your knowledge base will grow immensely and your opportunities will increase. That's great advice. <clears throat> so what do you consider to be the biggest challenge when you're actually bridging the gap between technology and the overall business for the companies that you work? Understanding. I think that in the 21st century, most companies are technology companies and don't realize it. Um, they can't operate without being a technology company. And so what I, what I see is that lack of recognition and that lack of understanding sometimes leads to a lack of funding um, and a lack of having the right person in the right chair at the right time. So I think that is the biggest obstacle. It's just that recognition of, oh yeah, we actually have to, to invest in technology. We have to invest in these ideas and these people and these, the software and the infrastructure and all of the things that go into supporting that mechanism if we want to be successful. Looking at the last 10 years, what technology do you really think has disrupted the industry? Technology or idea? I think for me, the disruption has been in the invasion of privacy. The, um, the lack of recognition of the need to protect that. Um, so I think the disruption has been um, not investing in security protocols. 
not investing in methods for protecting PI or PHI or financial information. Um, so I don't know that that's necessarily a disruption of technology. Maybe it's a lack of investment in the key pieces of technology that are needed to support that, that infrastructure, that privacy need. So looking at the next five years, based on your comments, what area of technology do you feel will change in the next five years? I think, so there's a, there is something being considered by Congress right now. Um, so the intent of um, HIPAA was always to give ownership of your medical information to you, the individual, so that you could take that. It's a portability act so that you can take your information and hold on to it and bring it with you. If I go to a new provider, I can take this with me. If I need a surgery, I can take this with me. Um, but the current structure doesn't necessarily support that. It's a provider to provider communication. It's a provider to pharmacy communication. It's a health and health payer to provider communication. And a lot of times that individual who, who essentially owns that information doesn't have the access to it that they need or want. There is a bill that is going to be considered that will increase that portability. But, you know, it's, it's a positive and minus. There are risks and benefits. And one of the things that concerns me most about this is I will own my information, but the protections surrounding it don't necessarily have to be the same. And I've built a career out of protecting this information, out of putting structures and security in place so that, you know, my surgeries, my behavioral health information, my chronic illnesses, my meds, all of these things that are very personal to me are protected. Um, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of people in that environment, in the legislature, who necessarily understand technology and the support structures that are in place and the security protocols that are in place. And so the way that the act is considered being drafted right now would enable someone unknowingly to give their information to third parties who may not have their best interest at heart. So for example, if I go to Amazon Prime, maybe Amazon says something like, if you want free Prime for a year, click this button. And the terms that you're agreeing to will actually give that vendor access to your chronic illnesses, to your medications, to the most personal things about you. Um, they can market, if you have hypertension, if you have general anxiety disorder, if you have diabetes, these organizations will now be able to market to those specific illnesses, to those specific concerns, and sell it. So now this thing that was very private to you that healthcare organizations have been required by law to protect is now available for sale on the market. It is now a commodity. Your personal healthcare information is now a commodity. And that to me is frightening. So on that train of thought, how does Resenius fit into that whole picture? Resenius is a healthcare organization. It is an HCO. And this, there are many structures in place to protect the personal health information of our patients. Um, the impact to Fresenius 
would be in creating methods for sharing that information more openly with payers, with patients. Um, and so the, the, the challenge would be to make, put it in a consumable format. Um, that's not gonna be, I don't think that'll be a huge disruption to the, the workings of a healthcare organization. Um, I think it will be a huge disruption to the workings of an individual. So before I end the show, I'd like to give you a moment to talk about what Fresenius or you are working on, just to share. Um, currently, I am working on um, learning a new tool, which is fabulous. It's one of the things that I love. I, I thrive on new things. Um, and for me, the, t the whole concept of data governance, although it's been an ongoing theme in my in my career, you know, as a as a developer of EMRs, I have to constantly be thinking of all of the, the pieces that are going to interface into it and all of the information that will be shared to downstream systems. So that concept of data governance has been there and the concept of data standardization has been there. Um, but it's been an EMR-centric vision perspective. Uh, for me to expand that more globally um, is, is what I'm most excited about learning. Um, and I think that the entire data governance team at Fresenius is excited and passionate. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, it's the, just the learning and the growth that's going to be happening in the next three to five years. Um, and then, you know, what can I, I can put that in my toolbox and, and be even more successful with it. That's great. <laughs> I want to share with everyone to learn more about Fresenius, they can visit the website at www.fmcna.com. And Tracy, I really want to thank you for being on the show. You're our second guest, and it's great to have you on it. Thank you very much.